0: Alrighty. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Tall and Short of It podcast coming to you live from the cane fields outside of Erath. I'm your host, Justin.
1: And I'm Aaron. Welcome back, everyone, for another week of the Tall and Short of It podcast. Uh, We've got all the usual today. We've got our quick hitters, some Formula One, some League of Legends, Magic the Gathering. Uh, But Justin, it's good to see you, man
0: yeah good to see you too uh feels like just yesterday we were recording the race companion for belgium uh it it was uh yeah check it out on youtube it was a it was a pretty good time but yeah happy to be back for another episode good to see you my friend how have you been uh tell me about your week
1: um week's been pretty good um work i feel like i've kind of hit a point where i've caught up with a lot of stuff so like that's not really stressing me out at all
0: um
1: we, uh, for my rose thorn and seed this week. So we have, um, a nice rose of yesterday. Yesterday was Colleen and my second anniversary. So we didn't, we don't do anything too crazy, but we went out to, uh, to a dinner at a Mexican restaurant close by, had some delicious tacos and other food that I'll, uh, I'll get into later. Um, and, it was uh it was just a nice relaxing night uh enjoyed spending that time and everything with her um Hell so yeah. it was a good rose the uh the thorn also though has to to do with Colleen adjacently uh her car window got driver's side window got smashed in over the weekend we uh like found it after we'd gone grocery shopping i like drove us to grocery shop we came back uh and i hadn't been parked like by her and so Mm. i ended up parking like right behind where she was and as i pulled up i was like your windows shattered um and so we uh ended up having to call the police file a police report all the the good stuff um and then spent part of my uh Saturday just vacuuming up glass out of the uh the floor of her car with my my shop back so um Tough. yeah not not ideal uh windows fixed now our landlord was awesome he get, let us use a uh spot temporarily in the garage so that she could have her car out of just having an open window on the streets of Philadelphia um mm. and be a little bit safer waiting till uh, Tuesday when, when it could be fixed. But, uh, yeah, not, not the, uh, the best thing, but there are, I guess are worse things that could have happened. So
0: was it, um, could you tell, was it like an accident? Was it accidental damage? Was there anything taken out of the vehicle? Nothing taken.
1: So we think they were trying to steal the car itself. Um, Uh, so, Some of the cars these days can be jump-started, apparently, through the USB port in them uh, without a key. So we think the uh, idea was that they were trying to get in to to do that, potentially, to her car. uh, Because nothing was missing. Like, front box wasn't even open, center console not even open. Like They They were just looking to take the whole thing. Most likely, yeah. So Wild. uh, So... Definitely frustrating. Um not how we wanted to spend our early afternoon on a Saturday, but
0: um we're here, cars fixed. Whoa. Everything's all good. Damn, Herbie must have just like kicked him out, just like got <laughs> really rowdy, just started shaking, just like oof. Just yeah knocked I, the guy right out of there.
1: It was it was uh interesting to say the wow. least. I was like uh just when i when i saw it it just like caught me off guard i'm like am i seeing this right i'm like that's right uh just crazy i just wouldn't expect it cuz we haven't really seen other than like uh a car maybe scraped scraped a little paint on yours cuz they were like going around a corner or whatever maybe. okay but nothing uh nothing quite like that have uh, has happened to us so uh not great but like i said it's all fixed and then for my seed, we're just looking forward to this weekend. We're um, going to be going down to the shore with Colleen's family. So I'll be there for just a couple nights, um, and she'll be there a little longer, just getting some beach time in and uh, some R&R. So that's exciting. Yeah, looking looking forward to that,
0: um, spending some time down at the beach, down by the bay. Heck yeah, man. That's, uh, that's going to be a nice time. Are you guys leaving Friday?
1: Uh Yeah, I'm going to leave Friday night. She's going to leave Friday morning uh, and drive down there with Senna. So mm-hmm. she'll have her down there and we'll, uh, we'll get her to try out the beach, see if she likes it. There um, you go. So it'll be fun.
0: She's going to get sand all up, in that, all up in that coat of hers. It's going to be oh, tough. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's going to be. Uh, she She's not like she doesn't hate water, though.
1: So I think we might be able to get her actually in the water there
0: you Um, go so we'll see that'd be exciting
1: would be but uh but that is my rose thorn and seed for this week Uh, but i want to hear about your week what's been
0: going on over your way oh boy just the nicest of weather down my way here um that's my rose here for the week it's just been great to (laughs) kind of Open all the windows up, set some fans going, and then uh, you just get this nice breeze throughout the house. It just feels really great, especially in the evenings, like, when it cools down. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just uh, just super nice, very pleasant. uh has to be, like, one of the best times of year, kind of like the 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 cooler summer evenings are just like, you know, oh, yeah. chef's kiss, beautiful time. So that's my rose here. And then my thorn um I was I was changing the water in my pipe as I do usually once a day, sometimes twice a day, and thinking about how even in like a short amount of time, the glass can get uh, just like gunked up with resin, and there used to be a time in my life, Aaron, where I wouldn't change the water for God knows how long. Oh, I mean, just and not even thinking about it, and yeah. I'll get to like, you know, maybe maybe one day I'll I don't change the water out throughout the day, and so like by the night, it's like just a little used right it's just got like a tint of like the yellow in it Yeah, but you even notice like the difference in like how it affects your you know the the pool in your lungs and i just think to myself and i and i send my energies back to my my past self and i wonder what the heck were you doing how could you how could you handle this
1: uh (laughs) I I think there's lots of things that we think uh like that about our younger selves. It's funny my um so uh, a bar that we would go to sometimes at Penn State had these pitcher drinks called monkey boys and so monkey boy it was like a liquor pitcher and they had all different names for them there's like strawberry kiwi and like different like flavors or whatever but then Mm -hmm. there was a flavor just called bong water and it was actually one of the better flavors, (laughs) but that's the, the first thing that came to mind. Uh, but yeah, I, I can understand how I've, I can understand how quickly it could get gross and Mm -hmm. thinking about it. It's like, you just pour the water out and just put new water in it. Like it's not like a difficult process or time consuming or anything to to do. Right. So it, right. it's uh, it's funny to think that you and and I'm sure many other
0: folks just oh, would yeah leave it. Well, and it, like, it had that idea had to come from somewhere that, like, that was the right idea. Like, was it dazed and confused? Was it Pineapple Express, you know, like, where when you see the bong, like, oh, the water's just all dirty, whatever. You don't have to change yeah. it, who cares? But it is, it's just like, man, I feel clean like bong water is the way to go.
1: Yeah, I just, I feel like people just don't think about it, or you use it and then you forget. Right. And then the next
0: time you're ready to use it, you're like, "Ah, I don't feel like doing that now. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And then, and then my friend, that's a slippery slope. Um, so yeah clean your glass and then my seed here for the week is uh me and sarah booted up a a new don't starve together server um we had a bunch of time in another one on you know back on on our on on our old pcs and i guess those weren't cloud saved so those are just like mm. gone um which is like a funny feeling to be like oh no my my backpack is gone just a weird video game feeling. But yeah. we booted up. Uh, we booted up a new one. Ha have been having a good time. We're uh, we're well into our first spring coming up on our first summer. We've got the the base going. Um, so, yeah, we're just uh, kind of excited about that. It's a it's a game that we enjoy playing a lot together.
1: Nice. And that's a, a relaxing one that you can kind of chill, to. It's not not as competitive as uh, as like Hunt or some of the other sure. ones can be.
0: Sure, it's more of Comfy game than than some of the other options. Yeah, which is uh, which is definitely fun. Uh,
1: and has its has its place in the gaming world. I definitely agree. Like I and, I uh, loved uh when we would play for the king too. That was that was a that's a good game.
0: game. Well, so. and there is the I love the board game feel. To that one. Um, and you have a bunch of like downtime, you know, it's not like always your turn. Uh so yeah, that's definitely in the comfy gaming slot was uh for the king. And I believe yeah. sidebar, I'm pretty sure they announced for the king too. I think that was like Ooh. a couple months ago. So I'd be interested to see. Uh I'd be interested to see what that's like. Um, but these are all uh for future conversations. We've got a lot to get through uh this episode here.
1: Yeah. Um well, and what was your? Did I miss your thorn? Yeah, my thorn was uh dirty bong water. Oh, that's right. Okay, sorry, we got sidetracked on that tangent, and I didn't remember how we got there. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> but yeah, we can uh we can dive into this week's episode. So, right off the top with the quick hitters, I wanted to start off with a little magic because Justin, did your you boy? I think you saw, but uh, Post Malone buys the one-of-one one-ring Magic Mm the Gathering card uh, with the $2 million million, um, value that was uh, kind of thrown out there for it and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, But I thought that was uh, was very cool. I feel like he is, like in the video I saw, he is super just genuinely excited about the card thinks it's, like, the coolest thing ever. He's someone who I feel like would, like, take good care of it and everything. And uh, so I just thought that was kind of cool that it will be out there um, with a, a big collector um, who's, like, public about.
0: Yeah. And obviously, <clears throat> I think the sentiment that I've gotten um, on some of the magic communities that I'm in is it almost, there's a feeling of... Um, They're happy that it goes to somebody like that who is like a gamer and actually like plays and enjoys the game and is kind of like here for, uh, you know, as I would say here for the culture. Um, So there's a feeling of like kind of everybody wins when it goes to somebody like that. You know, it hasn't ended up in like the hands of whoever wouldn't. Yeah, like some hide it in some hidden dark
1: room in their like sure. shrine to magic. They get ga- like it's someone who's like excited and will probably like show it all like yeah. in videos and like put put content out there where it's uh it's a part of it, which is cool.
0: Right. So I think uh yeah, and not a surprise that it's uh uh Post Malone that that, that purchased it. Um do you know Post Malone ha- partnered with Wizards of the Coast to do a secret lair of Ooh. like of like a, a collaboration on like art, like new art for older cards and like okay. they changed the name for it for the cards and everything um a bunch of them are like images of like him like in concert and things like this no. there's oh, there a set that. of yeah, it's very cool there's a set of basic lands where he, like, ha- he did a bunch of, like, doodles on them. And they're, like, just these, like, interesting little drawings just, like, on basic land art that you could buy as a secret lair. Um, so, it's, like, I'm pretty sure it's post-medallion, post-sigil, post-citadel. So, it's, like, a bunch of cards that they just, like, kind of flavored for him. Um, so, like, a, and and this was a year and a half ago, maybe. Oh, wow. Maybe okay. a little more so like like i had heard he
1: played or was like it like enjoyed it but i didn't realize that he was like that ingrained in the
0: oh yeah like big time big time enjoyer of the of the game um there's a couple of popular commander youtube channels that like he's been on and played games of commander like with like the the content creators like of the game or like nice. for the game that like you know are in that space so yeah he's been he's been all over the place with magic so yeah it's it's very cool to see the official or like a like a public official sale going to him um but now i'm gonna hit you with i'm gonna hit you with with some other stuff here okay so now we get the confirmed worth of this card in... So, what's today? What's today's second, date? August. Second. This is August 2nd, 2023. If the sale was like, you know, yesterday or a couple of days ago, whatever. So, in july august 2023 it's 2.6 million dollars okay now the thing to track would be the next time that moves is the has the price gone up or down is it purchased for 2.1 2.3 is it purchased for 2.9 right Right. so you want to see will something like this increase in value will it will he sell it just at at no gain maybe uh the nostalgia's kind of worn off whatever it may be because something like this you would hope from a like mtg finance perspective from a like cornerstone of a game this thing holding value maybe as a, an indication of everything everything oh, else yeah. below it not gotcha. saying that's what you should do not saying like financial advice the, like just these are metrics that people will be looking at gotcha. have you ever heard of the honus wagner t206 uh
1: no i know who honus wagner is but i don't um i haven't heard of this
0: okay so the t206 is his baseball card back from what what was that what was that called it was like the dead ball era that he played in what did they call that um i'm not sure what they called the era actually. okay so whether it was i believe it would have been like his rookie card has changed hands a bunch of times recently in the last like uh like 10 to 15 years but every time it's sold it's gone up so it was 1.2, 2.3, 5.7. And I believe it was recently sold, I think it was like 7.5 in 2019 was yeah. the most recent sale. I, I'm, I, th- this is all just like all on, on memory. I'm not sure about prices. But if you look at something like this as a comparison where it's like very, very rare, highly sought after kind of thing, Over time the Honus Wagner has gone up in value every Mm. time it changed hands, it's been worth money than the last time. So from looking at it from this perspective, just as a just a piece of collectibles history now, because that's like that's where we're at. Where when we're talking about a piece of cardboard that's worth two point six million, that is absurd. Oh and so now looping it all the way back to post. He enjoys like owning things that that are a part of Magic's history like there's some cards that will never be printed again that I'm sure an individual like that would love to get his hands on so like now we're talking about just like history in collectibles so I'm going to be very keen and I, I doubt he's going to be selling it anytime soon unless he can confirm like somebody's willing to pay more than he did um but if you are able to look at things like the Honus Wagner as a, as a comparison, uh, it it begins to get very interesting is like how good of an investment long term will this thing be for these individuals that are in the market?
1: Yeah. And I think it also comes back to uh, wizards of the coast as well, to some extent in that, I would be curious if something like this going and being as big a thing as it was, that they are going to start trying to do these, like, special one-of-one cards, like, super, like, at each new... uh, each new box like there's gonna be a one of one of some card in there to try Mm -hmm. and like and and of course like the fandom of whatever that is might not be as big as like lord of the rings for instance but um but if they i'd wonder if that starts to like devalue other one of ones even though they're not the same card but just because there's like almost a known opportunity to still potentially own a one of one mm-hmm. card out there. Um, if that makes sense. So, yeah,
0: no, it, it definitely does. Um, so yeah, just all sorts of interesting things that come up when, uh, when a sale like that is made. Um, cause yeah, it's all cute when, before it gets open for like, you know, the half a mil offer, the million dollar offer from Cassius Mars, but like, uh, for somebody to actually put the money down, make the sale, buy the goddamn thing that, you know, that's setting the precedent here. Um, and I'm going to be very interested to see if it even ever comes back on our radar. Um, I'm going to be interested to see, uh, what it goes.
1: It could, uh, almost, I would imagine more of like him being open about like legitimate offers that people come to him with where Mm -hmm. maybe that will like, update the valuation, um, without it being sold. Um, sure. cause I'm sure that there will be people that will come to him and try and buy it from him, um, sure. and, and put offers out there. So it'll be, it, it's definitely an interesting, uh, thing to see and whether, uh, I mean, he, he could just keep it for the rest of our lifetime and, uh, and we would never see it sold. You, you just never know.
0: Yeah, and I mean either way, whatever. Um, I just think it's a fascinating little piece of uh collectible history. Yeah. But yeah, to to anybody listening, go check out the uh Honus Wagner T two oh six. It's a beautiful little piece of cardboard and just like kind of ridiculous, but uh yeah, at the same time it's like whoa. Like this is the stuff that like pulls at people's heartstrings
1: mm-hmm. that they're yeah. so they're so like, yeah, I think it's part of the, the owning a piece of the history of like, not even just like with that. It's not even just owning a piece of like baseball history. It's like, that's trading card history too. Cause baseball cards were some of the first base, uh, first trading cards that were like right. out there. Right. Um, And everything, so yeah, very uh, very interesting. But to move uh along in the quick hitters, over to more motorsports. Um, so London had a Formula E Grand Prix this past week, and so there was um uh, a lot of issues with uh, which they they handled well with rain, and so there was like too much spray in the air at a number of times that they like did they red flagged things and like waited it out, kind of uh, to run the race and all. But just uh a kind of funny incident during the race uh once they were able to get going. But I am very curious to like look more um into this or like what the FIA's lack of ruling was, but Stoffel Van Dorn, who is Mercedes Reserve Dri- or was Mercedes Reserve Driver before Mick uh came in, um just absolutely sends it into this corner like basically just like it's a it's a chicane where it's like straight left right like real quick and he just sends it and like slams into this other car there's like these cars take the damn like barely any damage on them somehow but he he is uh they ended up ruling that there was no driver wholly or predominantly to blame and i'm like he just didn't break what do you mean it's like it, it's like in a video game racing when you just like slam someone off the, the goddamn road like you're just mm, like it's oh. my taste now yeah exactly like that's basically what it was like it nice. just in real life and i'm like I am so confused that how the f i a and the stewards like would not give any penalty um but also it was crazy the kind of abuse the the cars took without like
0: really braking at all it was uh it was kind of wild that's uh that's pretty interesting, and if you were able to see it, that would mean that the stewards had the you know oh, the yeah. footage available to you know determine um whatever happened. But yeah, that's uh that's it's bad. wild. I'll I'll send
1: you the video after after the episode. But um but yeah, just uh interesting and thinking about like stewards rulings as we'll we'll get into a little later in the episode with the Belgian Grand Prix and the sprint race. Um mm-hmm. it was just very, very bizarre. But um uh a couple other little notes so F1 Academy is going to be shown live from now on so the uh the young women's racing series uh kind of leading that direction in F1 and everything um will will finally get its broadcast so whatever they did um they're able to figure it out to get that um put into the um i guess like broadcasting rights or however that works to it'll be on the f1 tv page i believe um so cool thing and staying in the same kind of vein with uh women in motorsports but uh sophia flourish uh i think i said her name right Uh, finished p7 in uh, the feature formula three race this past weekend and so she became the first female driver to score points in the formula three championship um so just like a cool thing it's uh it's exciting to see that opportunities are going to to like a diverse group and not and like clearly on merit like she's Mm -hmm. she's driving well enough to score points and everything in the race so uh so it's good that she's getting the opportunity to to be in a seat that's awesome
0: yeah take that danica patrick (laughs) geez exactly everyone's gotta ever
1: yep you have a a new new woman in motorsports to keep an eye on you can throw danica patrick to the wind So, well,
0: we were talking about how she was saying to the uh, to the to the young girls asking questions. She was like, "Ah, you probably just don't want to. We don't care about women. It's just a
1: boy's thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Take
0: that, Danica Patrick. P7 in Formula Three. That's sweet. Actually, I'm like I'm like uh, making light of it. But no, that's that's very cool
1: yeah so uh a cool thing from this uh this past weekend um another thing that was announced earlier this week uh but max (laughs) verstappen is planning to start his own gt3 racing team um whoa so with uh open signups or what uh i don't know exactly how it'll Mm. it'll work but gotcha uh, gotcha probably gonna look to be involved in some endurance races and things like that um uh, it seems like he, it, from, from what I was reading, it sounds like from his side, he's like, I am also looking to kind of create a more affordable avenue into rate, like motorsport and racing for, so people who do like these virtual, like sim racing uh like endurance races and things like that, like he might be looking to give opportunities to like folks like that to actually drive and and get an opportunity in motorsport in a series mm-hmm. that is um much lower barrier of entry than like formula one formula two formula two oh, yeah. formula three kind of thing um where he can just start his own team and just basically be like we've got the cars and we're paying for the travel. So let's just go to whatever races we can sign up for kind of thing. Um, so that's uh that's pretty cool. It sounds like that is something he wants to have up and running by 2025. So within uh, the next couple of years, and I imagine then his post F1 career, he could potentially like grow that or even be a driver owner in like, some of these endurance races that he seems to, to really enjoy. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, a cool little, cool little thing from this past week. I thought that was a, a neat thing to kind of
0: look to start up. Well, if he keeps winning in formula one, then he can fund his hobbies down in uh GT three and the WBC.
1: Yeah, I think he, uh, I think he can fund it. I, it came across the staggering uh net worth during this article i was reading about it and he's worth 200 million euros and i was like oh my god that's so much money like i apparently to just start and race a gt3 team the operational
0: cost is about 1.4 million Mm -hmm. so so you should be okay wild that's uh dan that's that's quite exciting
1: yeah, so it'll be cool to to see once it's up and running just to like keep an eye on its performance and everything the team and uh see who he like signs and kind of how that goes but mm-hmm. um staying or uh, moving over into Formula 1. So, some notes on the kind of upcoming branding and team changes that we have with uh uh AlphaTauri for one, Hugo Boss uh F- Clothing brand is one of the top, um, top or like front runners for becoming the new sponsor of the F1 team. So I don't know what that would change them to if it would be like Hugo Boss Racing or, or something like that for Alpha Tauri. But, um, yeah. So they're, they're at the front of the new, I guess, um, name sponsorship position for, for alpha tauri Um and then Alpha Romeo, who will no longer be um partnered with Sauber after 2024 uh or after this year uh is looking to become one of the name sponsors for the Haas team in 2024 to kind of keep Alpha Romeo in F1.
0: Ah, gotcha. okay. Interesting. So Alpha Tower, you're predicting like a full name change and then like a like a a partial one for Alpha Romeo?
1: Yeah, uh more like a partial for Haas, as opposed to like right now it's Alpha Romeo Sauber. And so right. I just said I'm like uh, yeah, Alpha gotcha. Romeo Haas uh team and then uh yeah, for for Alpha Tauri, they had already kind of announced that they were looking to rebrand and everything, and have a new uh, new sponsor for the team uh, a mm-hmm. little earlier this year. So it sounds like um, with that, I imagine it would be maybe they'll find a way to keep it in a kind of bull name like Toro Rosso to Alpha Tauri. Those are both like in that same kind of vein for for Red Bulls teams. Um but yeah I, I would imagine that they'll probably have a, a new name next year as well.
0: Hmm. I'm curious what the draw for a like for a clothing company is to be like a title sponsor on on a race car.
1: Yeah it's interesting. But I I believe Alpha Towery is a clothing brand as well.
0: Right. And so, they do the whole, and they have the whole like uh fashion aspect to their branding as well. Um yeah. which is very interesting.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure cuz obviously like a lot of the other sponsors are uh like car companies like that the most of them and then there's like oil big or or oil or big tech companies like Oracle. Right. Um but Oracle and like some of those companies like provide things to the f1 teams in terms of like the systems and software and things like that that they use so it's not like it's still closer ties than it would be like uh tommy hilfiger mercedes like Mm -hmm. instead of yeah it doesn't
0: scream performance that's what i'm saying like hugo boss hugo boss racing doesn't sound fast no it it doesn't at all yeah
1: hugo bull racing though whoa (laughs) no i i just uh i i'm curious to see what they come up with because i toro rosso and alpha towery are both like solid names they flow well Mm -hmm. they have the the kind of aesthetic that you're you're looking for i think as a red bull sister team like it it fits the the story there um Mm But yeah, I I don't see how they'll be able to to tie that in with uh with Hugo Boss. So I'm curious to see.
0: They'll have they'll have whole uh brand teams working on that problem oh, right like, now as we oh, speak. Absolutely. They're in a meeting right now.
1: Yeah, they're they're not sleeping until they take they get this nailed down. hmm So um but yeah, it'll be interesting to see the rebrands. I think the Alfa Romeo switching to be with Haas will be just weird for me for a little bit because I'll be like, so I'm so used to just Haas and Alfa Romeo being separate mm-hmm. teams on the grid. So that'll be, uh, take a minute probably to, uh, to adjust to. I'm sure I'll say it wrong uh, every now and then, but. Um, oh, of course. We're all liable for it. Yeah. But, uh, then moving into, uh, some current year things. So with Otmar leaving Alpine, uh, mm-hmm. so he as well as uh, Alain Permain, who was their sporting director, uh, both left Alpine after the Belgian Grand Prix, so they are going to be making some of those changes that we talked about in terms of their uh, team leadership, but it was interesting looking at this um, in terms of like his time that he was there, it was he was only there for like two years, uh, or a year and a half or so, or two and a half years, something. It was a very short amount of time. Um, mm-hmm. but I mean, he's had some just like really glowing, um, like reviews from people. Like, Checo had a lot of good things to say about him from working together with them, I believe, uh, at Force India. Um, I mean, Otmar like sounds like he just wished he could have had more time with the team. Cause he's like, mm-hmm. I've signed all these people coming up for the upcoming years and everything. Like I'm, I'm, I put in this work that you're not going to see the, the profits of until mm-hmm. now someone else comes in. Uh, but a name of course that popped up in terms of potentially filling that position was Mattia Bonato, uh, mm. former Ferrari team principal. So um, we may see him make his way back into the, into the grid here as a team principal again, but uh, or uh technical director or whatever they're looking for at Alpine. Mm-hmm. But um, it sounds like that, uh, that, could be the right fit for him to uh, to make his way back into F one for Mattia.
0: Yeah, it's interesting when you get into a place like this where the number of people, the number, the number of people that are qualified to do the job is like you can count them on one hand, right? So it's interesting. I'm curious if he had thought he would have an opportunity to come back. If he knew like, Oh yeah, it's just a matter of time before somebody else gets the, gets the boot and they'll call me. I'm curious what that feeling is from his side of it. If there are other team principals that have been like in, in similar positions, but yeah, it just makes me think of like, man, what a, uh, very specific skill set one must have where you're thinking of, you know, you just, you can only take from the other team, right? right. Like it, There's not a plethora of team principles to go around is what I'm and, getting at.
1: Yeah. And especially mid season, like there's, um, an even smaller number. Cause there are, it's kind of like, you can only have people who have previously done this position or, People who are very close to coming into that upcoming, but mm-hmm. those shifts, I mean, they do happen sometimes mid year, like Lauren, uh, um, leaving Ferrari to go to Alpha Tauri, um, things like that do shift and change and all, uh, occasionally, but like I wouldn't say very, it's very common. So the ability for someone to who's like looking to progress their career to that role Mm
0: -hmm.
1: mid-season is less likely than being like hey let's bring in someone who's done it before Mm -hmm. uh and can just slot in a bit uh a bit more easily so um i i don't think it would be a bad option for alpine i just i do think that they got rid of uh otmar a little too quickly
0: yeah especially when like and you can never tell these things hindsight's 2020 20. uh it doesn't mean it's a pattern uh, all of these things um but especially on a weekend where pierre gasly is on a sprint podium it's like mm-hmm. damn dude that's tough yeah i
1: mean for for otmar that's probably about as as the best thing that you could ask for just, just about i think a podium in the the main race would be uh, the best thing he could ask for mm-hmm. but for the sprint race. That's a pretty solid deal too, to be like, you'll let me go and see what I'm doing here. Right. Like, like that's, that's from me, not from whoever you guys bring in kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, kind of a, a nice thing for him as he's, uh, as he's wrapping up his time at, uh, um, there at the team. So I think it's a, Yeah, just a a weird situation, but I'm definitely curious to see whether they just like have people kind of fill it internally uh, for the time being and hire someone Mm -hmm. next year or if they bring someone in pretty quickly. Um, But staying, uh, kind of like keeping uh, an eye on Alpine a little bit. Um, So with the F1 commission meeting that happened this past week, talking about some of the different things like the vote for the tire blanket ban, um, engine equalization, which was the concern mostly with Alpine's Renault uh, engine being decently far behind. Um, they are looking to uh, introduce a new regulation for 2026. Uh, and I think they're, they're introducing it where basically if an engine manufacturer is more than 3% behind in terms of engine power from the most powerful engine, they'll get more time to be able to like work on their engine and make improvements and all to like try and pull them back into that, um, same level as the, uh, the teams who are
0: doing better with their engine performance. So, and when you say time, are you talking about in the wind tunnel? Um, I think it would be more. I, I
1: think there is regulations with the teams in terms of like um, designing their new engines and everything. Like, there is a lot of amounts of time that they're allowed to spend doing that for the um, upcoming seasons and the new engine regulations in twenty twenty six. I think it's okay. like pretty regulated on like how much you can do to kind of. I think it all, it not just ensures that like no one team will just like take off and go get super far ahead, but also that as they look at things every couple months or however often they like review things and look at where the team's progress are or get teams' concerns and everything. If a a team, say if Mercedes just blows through and is like we're just crushing out this new engine and just flies ahead and then all of a sudden the fia is like well these other teams have some concerns we're going to shift regulation well then mercedes just wasted a ton of time and money to of course doing all this work um that didn't happen it's a hypothetical but right um i guess there's probably like a lot of amounts of time that you're like you can have this much time between these two dates to like, or the this review and the next time we review to work on the engine. So it kind of maintains a bit more of a like equal progress in terms of the direction the development
0: is going with those engines. So I understand. So where as like, you know, if Mercedes is allotted one hour a week, in july of 2023 to work on their 2024 engine they would say well that's that's because they're in this position but Mm -hmm. now we're going to give this team you're talking about the team with the reno engine you get you get three hours a week in july of 2023 right Right. to continue to
1: progress and keep up because um like of course, the FIA and F1, I think everyone wants there to be a relatively even playing field. Like obviously mm-hmm. drivers make differences, uh, teams development and everything for like arrow and things like that will make the differences as well. But to just like throw a team out there that has a way weaker engine and can never even potentially get to the other um like the levels of the other teams no matter what their arrow or what other development they do um Mm -hmm. it's good to kind of avoid those yeah and avoid those things you don't want a team just being an f2 car just out there on the grid um, because down the straights, teams without DRS have like a 10 to 20 mile per hour advantage, kind of thing. Like that would just, mm-hmm. that would just suck. So, right. Um, yeah. So, uh, interesting thing, like, especially as there's more conversations about the progress of those new regulations, the development of engines and all the concerns that some of the teams have had. Clearly, Alpine, I'm sure, is one of the teams that, um, That was kind of throwing up the white flag a little bit, being like, hey, like we're getting, we're getting left behind here. Uh, as opposed to like Red Bull or Mercedes, who seem to be kind of on top of that development pretty well. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, it'll be, uh, something to just continue to keep an eye on. Um, and then just a, uh, a little, um, final quick hitter with a little dig thrown out from Toto Wolf, but, there were uh, there were some shots flying checo was catching catching stray bullets this past week with uh with some of the guys comments toto said that uh with red bull's dominance that at least when mercedes was dominant there were two cars fighting for the victory as opposed to to just one so like oh our our dominant era i guess was more interesting cuz at least our own drivers were duking it out with each other uh kind of taking a little little shot at checo there and then of course sure. he, lewis had um his comment after the weekend i think he was asked if he would um if he would like to be in a car that's as fast as the red bull and he said something to the effect of if uh if I was in the second seat next to Max, he wouldn't be having as good of a time of it as he's having now,
0: kind mm-hmm. of thing
1: um so <laughs> Checo is just out here putting in a nice weekend and then just getting blown up uh in in the the sub tweets so um, I just found that kind of interesting because i it there is a point to it, like obviously. When we're talking about some of these things like um one, like Max having now eight wins in a row, getting close to Sebastian Meadows nine in a row that I don't mm-hmm. think anyone ever thought would be touchable. Um Mercedes, like Nico had seven in a row, but outside of that, I think Lewis... It, only had six in a row as his most wins in a row, or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, because they, they did have a pretty competitive one, two, even with Valtteri. Um, yeah. Lewis was definitely the number one, but Valtteri still had his days where he took, um, took races off of Lewis. And with, with Checo this year, like there were the times when there were like incidents and stuff that Max didn't win, but, pretty much any time they've both been on like a level playing field and all this year, Max has just kind of blown Checo out. Um, mm-hmm. So just uh, a, uh it was interesting to see that coming out while Checo had like an awesome weekend at the Belgian Grand Prix and with the sprint race and everything.
0: Yeah. Well, of course nobody, you know, it, nobody on that, Camp is supposed to be his friend, you know, and maybe, maybe you do the most psychological damage when they're, you know, at their highest. On the upswing, and it, try and, try and right, knock them back it's down. It's all, it's all, uh, I don't want to say carefully planned little moves, but some mind games. Right. There's definitely some mind games. There's definitely some competition. I mean, in a world where in a world where these drivers can't stand up like half out of their seat when they're driving past each other and give them the old like yeah 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 and sit back down and burn by them you know like we're all very neat and nice our, our trophy handlers have white gloves and we sing the songs of our countries, but there is a world of competition where it's acceptable to stand up and yell at your opponents from the other side of the, <laughs> the arena and hound them like dogs until oh, their yeah. mental is so broken and their heads are in their hands. This is all fair in Love and War, eh, to to my mind. And yeah, yeah, what better time than when Sergio is back on the podium doing fine for them to be like, yeah, it's not that impressive. That's honestly, like, <laughs> very funny. And, and to be like, like, yeah, yeah, well, they don't win as cool as we won. Like, yeah. that's <laughs> so funny. That reminds me of the... There was, I forget what year it was, but there was some footage of like a little driver's gathering and it was just too dry. It was like, it was Leclerc coming over and saying, oh, about Albon. He was like, yeah, but I can eat a salad faster than Albon. Like they are, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It yeah. is everything. It is everything for these dudes. Uh, so yeah, it doesn't surprise me. And if anything, I, that gives me a good chuckle. That's pretty funny
1: yeah i was like reading it and i'm like i'm like what are they gonna find to like not not complain about but to like Mm -hmm. talk about next i'm like really we at least are two drivers like max is beating your entire team in the the constructors championship right now and you're like well yeah but we had two drivers red bull doesn't need two drivers right right um but yeah it is it is kind of amusing um and and then talking about this week in the Belgian Grand Prix with uh Checo's form coming back we had qualifying on uh, uh on Friday after practice session 1 uh where we saw both for this qualifying and the sprint qualifying uh wet to dry kind of session um track getting better and better for the drivers as the quality goes on and much faster uh but we see Max take pole position uh but with his five place grid penalty dropping back and then uh Leclerc taking second Checo taking third so uh with Max's penalty for his engine components the two of them going to uh P1 P2 for the uh the start of the main race on Sunday
0: Mhm
1: yeah but uh uh good performance from mclaren as well kind of what i was imagining for them with the the wet conditions they did uh solidly in the qualifying um but with the uh the weather not really holding out all weekend long the the wet weather was really like suited them super well this week uh but outside of that it was uh a little bit of a tougher tougher weekend for mclaren after the the two solid solid weekends that they've had um coming into belgium
0: yeah especially from the like their qualifying positions weren't bad and then also like their it was their sprint qualifying that i think they did uh they did really great to where uh piastri was on the sprint podium um on on saturday so yeah uh good start to the weekend um ended pretty tough on Sunday I think Norris was able to you know keep the keep the hopes alive I think he grabbed some points on Sunday Mm. um but yeah it was it's been McLaren on the rise a little bit but uh yeah not not really able to convert I think you'd be able to say
1: yeah and uh it sounds like it was a lot due to their setup and everything um and just the sprint weekend having such weird weather they didn't get to really set up or test their car for dry conditions uh like fp1 was rainy then quali rainy sprint uh and the sprint shootout were both kind of rainy and then perfectly dry on sunday so the car was Mm -hmm. not not quite ready for it but um in uh in the qualifying session we saw kind of the the start of a weekend of chippiness between uh Max and GP as well where Max was firing off about uh almost getting knocked out in Q2 um and coming back to to GP and being like we're, we should have done what I said, and he's like, Hey man, we made it through. And in Q3, you tell us what you want us to do. I thought that was a, a solid comeback. GP, we were talking about it on the race companion, of course, but GP's got these, uh, these smart remarks, but we, we think it might be crowdsourced from the, the pit wall there.
0: Well, yeah, there's like, there's got to be. You know they've they've got all sorts of meetings. They they they'll you know I'm sure they've figured out what the best way to handle Max is in those scenarios. So yeah, the very calm, cool, collected GP um, is 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 quite funny and is definitely enjoyable on the uh, on the on the radio broadcast. Um, Because yeah, obviously you, you you can't imagine a driver just gonna be like. Oh wow, that was That was a close one. You know, <laughs> and just uh just be okay with that.
1: Yeah, so definitely uh definitely not okay with it. Uh but it it led them into the weekend with a uh, little bit of tension that added to some of the excitement on uh, on Sunday since the the race itself was it had some excitement but was uh, uh especially for the fight for the lead not not mm-hmm. the most exciting. Um but then going into uh into the sprint shootout that we had uh on Saturday and then into the sprint race, um, like you said, we saw uh Oscar Piastri start in P2 up there and then um in in the sprint race just drive phenomenally um switches onto the um switches onto the intermediate tire uh pretty pretty quickly and everything and was out in the lead of the race, holding on for as long as he could before Max inevitably got past him. Um, but a, a really impressive drive from Oscar. He he showed a lot of uh, kind of veteran drive. I feel like in uh, in that position as a rookie, leading some of his first laps in an F one race. Um, just drove really really well. Didn't make mistakes. Um, just didn't have the fastest car during the uh the sprint race but a really mm-hmm. really nice drive from him uh throughout
0: yeah and i think they i think they made the right move to um were they were they part of the group that dove into the pits right after the safety car
1: yeah um, so right after, after, after the safety the, car went in yeah like right after the rolling start um uh, i think he was in that that dive in for the sprint shootout and then mm-hmm. lando ended up coming in the second um uh the second lap because all mm-hmm. the teams seem to have like one driver come in and one driver stay out um to ensure that they don't have any issues with uh stacking a pit stop like right at the beginning of a race
0: yeah, and I think that was like the main concern um, for a lot of the teams and the drivers, where they were just trying to find the window to get on to what was, you know, going to be the obviously better tire, um, but in a in a way where they're not running into each other on the pits or like causing issues like for for their pit team. Um, so that seemed to be like one of the one of the real moments of jeopardy there for the for the sprint race um, was just right there on the first uh, kind of opening laps after the. After the safety car, because we had—it was a safety car start just because there was so much water on the track. They had to let it drain and, like, run a couple, and then they did a did a rolling start. So it was, like, right after that. Um, so, yeah, I think that was—I um, think, I, obviously, just well done by all the teams where we didn't have any uh, kerfuffles. There was nobody— um no
1: like unsafe release issues or anything right. it
0: was it was like tight in the pit lane but i mean they
1: sure. they all made it work uh teams got their drivers out there um pretty well and uh like we were saying Oscar Piastri had a, a great start off uh Pierre Gasly also who had a, a solid sprint shootout um uh qualifying in P6 there uh ends up making his way up through with being into the pits quickly, getting on the faster tire and everything. Um, so he drove really well, but one of the, the big moments of the sprint race was the um, the collision between Checo and Lewis that ends up having Checo uh, just falling down and then out of the sprint race, um, falling down the grid and, um, and DNFing after Lewis put a, a pretty big gash into his side pod that was uh, creating all sorts of issues. Um, Lewis, of course, then got the five second penalty. And I think he also got uh, two penalty points on his license for the, for the incident. But um, it it was kind of a, it was, there was a lot of um, discussion on whether or not Lewis like deserved a penalty for the incident. Um, I don't know if you have any any opinions on it. I I thought it was like fair 5 seconds, not anything like super detrimental in a sprint race. It became more significant of course than uh than it would have in the the main race, but um I mean he he went for a move pretty aggressively. His car just couldn't hold the line because the road was wet. Like he he Sent it down the inside and hit him. Like, I don't think that it's like, a, uh, I don't think it was like intentional or anything crazy. I just think he sent it a little too hard and his car didn't hold up. And so he got a penalty. I, I just saw a lot of, uh, a lot of dialogue about whether he should have gotten penalized or not. And I feel like it's pretty just like
0: basic. Yeah. It seemed like fine to me. I didn't understand the. I didn't understand like the questioning of it on the broadcast because uh, yeah, like you were saying, to my eye, it did. It just kind of seemed like, oh well, that you know, um, I would, he was a little bit cheeky there. Um, yeah, like I, it wasn't it wasn't anything like bad
1: or aggressive. He just like tried to take the turn a little too tight, and his car slid true. out into Checo. Like a he should have probably just not sent it there
0: but i mean he was obviously trying to take sergio out like that's the thing of course yeah right definitely
1: (laughs) just mental warfare everywhere from Mm. Lewis, uh but but yeah i mean it was uh it ends up knocking lewis down from um i think he was like p5 uh or so down to p7 just ahead of george so Mercedes still ends up picking up some points. Lando gets the P3 and with Oscar or sorry, Lando gets three points in P6 and Oscar gets uh, some points up in P2 for the sprint race. So um, uh, a nice, nice sprint race for McLaren on not their strongest weekend uh, on Sunday, but also it was really, it was cool to see Pierre Gasly uh, get the sprint podium uh, third place. Um, and all at spa since he was so close with Antoine Hubert who passed away a few years ago there. Um, He did a, like a run of the track in Antoine's memory, like on Thursday, I think when they first got there, Um, he always puts flowers out uh, at his uh, little uh, memorial there at spa and everything. And so it was um, uh, cool to see him, go out and and have an awesome race like that's that's one of those like heartwarming things to to see Mm -hmm.
0: yeah definitely um uh that's definitely got to mean something for pierre in in that regard and just from a like just from a, a driver's perspective or like from from i don't know what i'm trying to get at but like from I guess you would say like for his confidence level, um, that's got to be huge to grab a to grab a podium um, on a on a sprint re- weekend, especially like for him on a team that's been like not having the greatest of results, that's got to be a massive boon just for him and the team as just a sign that like, all right, things are not, are not going that bad. We're like, we're actually right there. Um, We're able to uh, take some of these points off the other teams. And that's just got to be kind of huge for the, for the morale and, and the confidence to say like, yeah, yeah, we're just, we're just right here. We're not actually toiling at the bottom, you know, in obscurity.
1: Yeah, and I I think that's like that's the vibe that I got from seeing all the excitement and everything Pierre with the team afterwards. Like they seem to really take that and be like, yeah, like this is exciting. We're mm-hmm. we're pumped um, and ready to to just keep rolling right into the summer break. So let all that excitement, uh,
0: let it uh, marinate over the
1: the four weeks.
0: But oh yeah, I mean you gotta you gotta take take the uh momentum, you know,
1: yeah, so just uh the wind slowly just drifting out of the sails as the summer break uh lingers on, but no it, it's definitely exciting for Alpine, I think, like you said, just the knowing that you're like not that far off that in on the right circuit, right conditions that you you can be um battling up there for for podiums and everything is is good as like that motivation for the team to keep uh keep working to move forward and all um Mm -hmm. so uh, a good good spot for alpine for the weekend um but looking at the the main race the big excitement of course uh Mm -hmm. to start off we had max starting with his five place grid penalty starting in p6 and then um, we had the, the turn one incident between Carlos signs and Oscar Piastri that mm-hmm. eventually ends in both of them DNFing. Um, but I think the pretty interesting part of that was after the race, um, Carlos really was like coming after Oscar in, uh, his interviews and in his tweets and everything saying that, um, Oscar was a bit too optimistic trying to take the, the inside around the turn and everything. And that uh, it's his, his inexperience as a driver that led him to, to make a mistake that ruined both of their races and all this stuff. And I just, I think it's kind of wild. like, Carlos uh, like I don't think Oscar did anything wrong in the incident like Carlos locked up changed his line like directly into the corner and part of that was because Lewis changed his line late causing Carlos to lock up but then like you can blame that on the people in front of you who like did stuff but Oscar like was right there he couldn't have even backed out of the turn because carlos came in on him so fast Mm -hmm. towards the inside that if oscar had braked the front of carlos's rear wheel would have just hit oscar's wheel Mm. and sent him spinning anyway so it was like not anything that like oscar at that when carlos moved so late oscar was just kind of like i'm here like i i can't really there's nowhere to go even if he had braked i saw a bunch of people being like he should have just braked and let carlos through and it's like even if he did like it was too late It, it was way too late for him to do anything so I found that very bizarre that Carlos was like repeatedly like especially because neither of them got a penalty there was it was just considered a racing incident like mm-hmm. no one no one caused a fuss but for him to be like yeah it's this guy's fault I was like I was like that is a a weird hill to die on my friend like.
0: I would yeah, just. Especially the one, like being the one that locked up your tires and like jerks the wheel to the <laughs> right. It's yeah. like, I don't know about that. Yeah. I like, I had a friend say, uh, uh, tough day for Oscar. Like he just drove into a wall. It's like, I'm not sure that's what happened.
1: No, it's not what happened at all. And like, Carlos is like, we all know at spa that you can't go three wide at turn one and it's Oscar who's young and hasn't done this before who it, it's mm. his fault. And it's like, no, it's like all the weird shit that was happening right around you <laughs> that caused that to be an issue. Like that was, uh, yeah, that was a, a weird, weird one for me. I was like, uh, I don't know about that,
0: but, yeah. um,
1: well, it's into... unfortunate
0: for Piastri because, like we were talking about, like they just had such a run of good results, and mm-hmm. for it to for it to end on something as like you know as kind of dumb as that. Whether you know Piastri shouldn't have stuck his nose in, uh, signs should have you know been more uh, been more aware of you know who was around yeah. him you know all of these things but it is it's just unfortunate for uh for mclaren that they you know um yeah able to capitalize on on the run that they've been having again you could say
1: yeah turn one incidents are like the most frustrating for me because it's just like you never know what what that person could have done like you didn't even get to glimpse and be like Wow, they had really good pace until their engine blew up like halfway through mm-hmm. the race. You're just like, I have no idea how this how this would have gone, right? Um, which I is a bummer to me, but um, but up there ahead of that uh, that incident and everything, which surprisingly didn't really cause too much of a, of a kerfuffle. Oscar was able to get out of the way and only cause some yellow flags. Carlos mm-hmm. retired way later after just causing some of the biggest DRS trains that I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but uh, ahead of the pack, we saw Leclerc get a really good start, but Checo be able to uh, just catch up and get past him pretty quickly, which was was big for Checo's race and all uh, to try and be able to put some time out there um knowing of course that max was going to be coming from behind moving through the field um but a uh, a really nice start from from leclerc and checo to get out there get out cleanly um and overall a solid uh, like i was uh texting with a couple other friends about the the race and i was like they were like, yeah, like we didn't even really see Charles race most of it. And I was like, mm-hmm. it's kind of nice that Charles just got like a nice quiet podium. Like he he just went up, he, he got his like five minutes of fame screen time at the beginning, and then he just got to do his own thing and snag a podium. He he drove just like a really solid clean race. The Ferrari pit crews and everything didn't fuck him up uh (laughs) and all he was able to to just go out there and and put in like pretty much the best performance that he was going to get with uh with his car um up against the red bulls so uh a really nice weekend and drive for charles and nice to see him back on the podium
0: yeah that's actually that's actually a great point um where there was uh some other storylines going on that yeah to to your point we didn't even really see um his his race that much but yeah just just end, ends up on the podium only two positions back from where he started uh yet yeah, didn't seem like he had the pace to really fight when it came time for it but yeah just happy to uh slot in right there at P3 yeah um
1: and then uh i guess were what other drivers like stood out to you throughout the the race there were. There are a couple that I have in mind, but I'm curious who your kind of stars of the weekend were in terms of uh their their race finishes.
0: Hmm. I think I have uh Albons Williams was very quick. Um I thought it was interesting. The broadcaster said that he was twenty KPH faster in a straight line than any other car um on the grid, which was just like baffling to me that you can have pace there um but be like losing out elsewhere um so i think albon had uh had a pretty good drive on sunday um but that like truly is all that really comes to mind uh didn't feel like there was uh too much of excitement going on obviously um you know you could talk about fernando alonso's weekend Mm -hmm. but you know could p5 very very respectable obviously not hitting his goal of uh i'm gonna be on the podium every race weekend from now until the end of the year but um you know he's not far off no
1: not far off and it was uh it was a weird race with um with like the tire strategy and all where people were pitting at all sorts of different times so there was a lot of mixing up of the order of um people's positions as we were making our way through but a couple other drivers that um that caught my eye so lando norris we at one point he was down in like p18 p17 somewhere in there just seemed to be really struggling but then ends up uh being able to bring the car back up to p7 by the end um yuki as well getting another point for the alpha towery uh squad mm-hmm. in that p10 mm-hmm. position he had uh, uh, a really nice bounce back drive. He's had a couple of pretty weak performances for a couple of uh races recently and so to see him bounce back and get that um get that point um a really just nice drive from him overall. He was up in like p like 6 p7 getting uh past carlo one of the first I think it was Alonso got past Carlos Sainz in the DRS train first and then Yuki quickly like dispatched him as well as he was struggling with the uh the damage on his car. Um but Yuki put himself in a great position uh for the race. He had a nice uh like solid qualifying with uh P11 start and then um to to move up to P10 for the finish was uh, mm-hmm. an awesome awesome drive from him and and I was I was happy to see that uh from Yuki. I felt like he was um having having a tough time the last uh stretch.
0: Yeah, a little bit of inconsistency from the uh um from the AlphaTauri driver, but you know, was able to bring it up to his kind of like you know, ceiling kind of top level, um, where we've, uh, you know, seen him before. So it's, it's, it's good to see him back at that level, uh, as compared to Daniel Ricciardo. I think it's going to take a couple more weekends before you can really build that confidence into the vehicle, build that confidence into the weekends. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would say solid drive from Daniel Ricciardo didn't, didn't finish last. So that's like, you know, that's huge, but, uh, a little more, I think a little more to go before he's going to be, you know, Know getting as much as Sonoda out of the car, Mm. like at every um uh crossroads that's not the right word for it, but you know what I'm getting at, yeah, just
1: more consistently, like that, yeah, yeah.
0: And I'm not foreseeing Daniel Ricciardo beating out Sunoda every weekend. But let's just say the car is that 10 and 11. You know, I think Daniel Ricciardo will be able to bring the car up to that level. And, you know, be look a little more like uh, an Alfa Romeo where we're constantly mm-hmm. seeing Valtteri and Joe finishing within like one or two slots of each other i mean even this race weekend at belgium we saw uh 12 and 13 for both mm-hmm. of the alfa romeo drivers so like that's w- if you're looking from the team principals' perspective that's what you want to see out of your drivers right kind
1: of reaching the the car's ceiling mm-hmm. with the driver performance on on both sides and mm-hmm. um honestly I I know Daniel in his post-race interviews and everything was kind of like, it's a bummer. Like I'm ready to go. It's a, it's a bummer to be in this like forced break. But, um, at the same time he was like, I'm going to take the time to just like get myself like back in shape more and like really like get, get my, my body and my mental ready to go for, for the rest of the season. And also, um, good perspective on it from him, but yeah, like not a, not a bad drive from, from Danny, but, um, the strategy and whatnot just like didn't seem to work out great for him. He had just an okay drive, uh, but, um, nice to see him not finishing last and, uh, and definitely looking forward to the second half of the year and, and how he progresses and competes with Yuki and all. Mm Um, but, uh, Towards the end of the race, uh just to to come back to the chippiness that I alluded to with GP and Max, there was the uh the incidents with uh, Max and GP over the radio arguing uh a little bit, GP telling him to to cool his cool his head, use his head or whatever, uh not crush his tires too hard right out of the uh the pit stop and everything um and max is like yeah I'll, maybe i'll just push harder and then you guys are gonna have to do another pit stop but they're just like throwing little digs back at each other
0: that was the yeah, uh, talking about the pit stop training
1: yeah he's like he's like i could just like i could just go faster and then you guys have to bring me in <laughs> and the is like yeah not this week man um uh, mm-hmm. but that was, uh, that was amusing. It was, uh, a point of conversation after with uh, a lot of the media kind of wondering if they're like, oh, it seemed to be a little testy. Like, how's your relationship? And Max is like, that's just like our, our relationship. Like, we're good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was fun to listen to. Uh, and then I did find out because we talked about it the young girl that was there at the, uh, end of the race that max was celebrating with is his younger sister uh mm. so he has a uh a baby sister who's like is like seven or eight years old or so gotcha. that, uh she was there for the race and everything um it was uh it was really cute seeing him uh like celebrate with her at the end of the race that was fun mm. um but just uh kind of rounding out the uh the race weekend and all i've
0: got uh a couple of max stats to hit you with here oh yeah max verstappen's number one fan podcast right here but
1: first one uh, i couldn't i couldn't not do it i've done it like every week because he's won
0: like every week
1: so um so max is now only eight wins off of sebastian vettel's career win total uh which he could then surpass now this year potentially. Yep. Where Seb uh it took him a, a good bit longer in his uh Formula One career to to get to that total and everything. Wait, um, does Seb have the the win record? No, no, Lewis does. Um
0: so Michael had um I think a hundred Okay, Seb's just the next uh the, uh the next head on the yeah, on the bounty so, sheet.
1: So, Michael Schumacher had 91. Yeah, Seb's like the next uh the next big one um, milestone I, you could say. Yeah, I think he is yeah, Seb's third on the all-time list. So, gotcha. Lewis is first with 103, uh Schumacher at 91, and then Seb's third with 53 okay gotcha yeah so uh max quickly closing in on that um but then along with that
0: uh since
1: since the start of the 2020 season Mm -hmm. so uh two and a half years or so max has only missed being on the podium five times he has a 92 percent podium rate since the beginning of 2020, damn, that's solid. Just a while, like
0: these things pop up, and I'm like, "That's just that's crazy." Right. So, well, and then you know, go go one step further. That means Red Bull has a 92% podium rate. That's like that is even higher, insanely consistent. Because uh, right? there, there were times without... that
1: yeah, he would have uh DNF or whatever. That right, uh, like Checo. Was on the podium, or like uh, Baku, uh, when Matt's yep. crash and and Checo won the race and everything. Yep. So, um, Whoa. but
0: but yeah, so that I uh, count on one hand the time times he wasn't. Whoa, that's crazy, dude. Yeah, like that
1: is that isn't just another level of consistency that Mm -hmm. like you only see, I feel like with some of these generational talents like Lewis or, or like a Schumacher or whatnot. So, Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, super impressive from him. Um, but to, to move over into league of legends, do you want to start off over in the, uh, the LCK or the LPL?
0: Yeah, let's, uh, let's just run through the LCK really quick. I mean, we've got, um, you know some some one-sided affairs here so we can just run through and especially lck we're not into playoffs yet um so we're not in the uh you know the big heavy hitting matchups just a small best of three here uh we took a look at genji versus uh d plus gaming uh d plus kia uh d uh d with kia's um genji versus them um it was an interesting matchup i liked some of the uh i liked some of the drafts but overall yeah uh it was just it was just genji coming out on top both games um yeah go ahead
1: it was interesting seeing the uh like the drafts and everything. Um, for me, like Canna was the rumble for Canna, I was like, okay, like I wanna see how, how this goes. And it started off so well. Like he was able to go bot lane and get a couple kills down there. But then once it got into the like the team fighting stage of everything, it just fell really lackluster with the the ultimates and everything from his side i felt mm-hmm. like um it just didn't
0: bring quite what they were looking for to uh to the matchup yeah and especially like a lot of times you see the rumble as i don't want to say a cornerstone but like an important piece of the of the Poe composition it gives you great long range like you you call it like pseudo engage where you're able to maybe like close off an exit kind of close the distance kind of thing or it's great disengage uh to prevent enemy teams from chasing you down so you can continue to get your poke out um so yeah in that regard i would agree i don't think canna's um i don't think canna's ultimates were that useful in the game overall and to my mind, I don't even remember like an impactful one in a team fight. Uh, maybe he had some impact like in the dragon fights, but the one I mainly remember is he just used one to like clear the mid lane wave. Um, and that was kind of the extent of Cannes So, where I did like the draft from uh, D plus Kia, where you have like a, 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 solid poke composition yeah i just don't think they were able to get the setup around the um around the neutral objectives and then like Mm -hmm. you were saying when even they were there the big team fighting ults that they had were used kind of uh to lackluster effect
1: yeah and and the uh the most impactful like ultimate that i can think of was impactful in the wrong way but it was essentially wasted dumping it Pretty much on all of his teammates while they were at Baron, and, and then just getting wiped. Like as soon mm-hmm. as it as soon as it went away, like I I don't know if the idea was to like oh well if it's on my teammates they won't engage on us or if it was like I don't know what it what the intention right. was, but it did not do uh do much there for them. Uh, so impactful in the wrong way, and and yeah, Genji played it out really well uh pays on the siver was uh was a solid pick he played the the pick really solidly um uh with all the uh bot laner bands that that we saw coming through in that first game um Mm -hmm.
0: but he interesting to see speaking of the uh, just to hop on this point real quick interesting that we're seeing the zary come back into the ban list um curious what the what the teams are seeing there. i know i know pays and deft both were like big big zary players but i'm curious if if maybe there's something else there that's like bringing zary kind of back into the minds of players she had fallen out of favor a little bit more um and specifically about the siver this was something the caster said but um i i just thought it was interesting sivir has been like hovered a bunch or banned a couple times, but this was the first time we were seeing her in the LCK. Um and the uh the static shiv build seemed to work really well. That combined with the ricochets, mm. like she was do uh Pace was doing some pretty good damage in the fights. Yeah,
1: and I, I think the uh the Zari band was more due to the direction of the other bands, like the there was the Kaisa and Tristana band out in round one. Uh, and then no bot laner was picked in the, in the first round mm-hmm. of picks. So then you have Zeri and Zaya get banned out uh, back-to-back there as well. So it's kind of like you're really getting pushed down that tier list of bot laners. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it was more of a... The Zeri was kind of just the next like thing on the list that they're like, well... We, yeah, but
0: if it wasn't pays and death to be a different champ in that spot, would be my argument. But
1: uh, potentially, uh, it might be. I feel like the Zary and the Zaya are kind of the the next two on the list of um, like. I don't think you're you're gonna spend a, a ban on Jinx because she is so like binary. She doesn't have the the mobility or the escapes and all. She just like okay. So like, I don't think that's worth like spending a ban on. Where Zeri with like the mobility dashing through the wall, the zayat with the ultimate as like an escape, gives it a little bit more um uh utility in those uh in those fights and everything sure. where
0: it if it
1: if that champion gets big and gets some kills, they can really snowball hard like Jinx can too with uh the but that's more indiv- in individual team fights as opposed to like mm. as a as a whole.
0: Yeah, don't call it a Zeri moment for nothing. Uh but yeah, Genji able to scoop up game 1 uh pretty handily there and then going into game 2 this was really um Kind of an interesting game. The casters were kind of shitting on the 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 ash choice there in the bottom lane, saying that there's just other champions that are doing what she does like kind of better. Um none of the arrows ended up being like really that impactful. But all of that considered, D-Plus-Kia actually is in a a position to at least make some headway in the game take some advantage um mm-hmm. and th- i i'm pretty sure this was like post baron they go to dive the the tier one bottom side and this was just Chovy's all day he gets that he gets that sick emperor's divide up mm-hmm. past the past the turret just scoops yeah. them all up doesn't die the I think it was I think it was like Showmaker that comes to re-dive, gets the kill on Showmaker, so Chovy walks out with the triple and this just like totally changes the tempo of the game. Um but before any of that, I think you see the the difference in coordination in game 2 where where d plus key is able to get like you know a plate or two in the top side but genji is like taking a full turret and getting uh getting the dragon you know on the bottom side of the map so i don't think d plus was like trading up that well but they they definitely had some had some fights and opportunities where i think i think they had the had Chovy not popped off a couple of times in those fights if they were able to maybe maybe secure him lock him down better uh could have gone a a different way in some of those moments there in game two
1: yeah and i think um just in terms of the trades like you're you're 100 percent like gen g was like would be like oh well you got a kill on a spot lane but now we took your entire turret top lane or like just really really good trades. But what impressed me from, from D plus Kia was they kept like climbing back into it. They got down early uh, with Canna getting killed in the top lane, Deft getting killed in the bottom lane. They get down like one K gold, but they're able to just like hang right in that close range and all. Um, they, they fight their way back in it, fight into the lead they get this great team fight in the bot lane, and then just like chase too far and dive the bot lane turret and lose like three people for it. it was the the mm-hmm. coordination is like the the biggest difference that I felt like I saw was mm-hmm. was those things, whether it's the the trading of, of trading of objectives, or whether you're looking at the coordination on those those decisions in those fights where they're like mm-hmm. wow we just got two kills for nothing let's dive and lose three people for nothing and mm-hmm. then lose the fight overall
0: for no particular reason like i mean chovy was on like i mean five health yeah like the bloodlust was uh, real that that's
1: what it was it's the the when the q hits from lee sin like you gotta take it it, yeah it's right there (laughs) but i mean it was uh it was just the uh, like um the lack of patience almost from from d plus that they were Mm -hmm. they climbed themselves back into the game they built themselves a small lead and everything Mm -hmm. they get the advantage and then they just immediately throw it away (laughs) and i was like it's like that's just it's it's a um it's a coordination thing, it's a leadership thing, it's just it's something that uh like Gen G, that is one of the things that them and, and KT have just had over everyone else is their mm-hmm. their coordination, their teamwork and everything. Um they they've just been so impressive uh throughout um the the whole season really. Uh, and that's that's why they're in the position they're in. But it was like v- it highlighted that this very well in this matchup because D plus Kias individual player matchups are on a really pretty even level in most of these lanes. Sure, like, I'd agree with that. I'd say Doran has a slight edge on Canna. Delight maybe a slight edge on Kellen. But def probably has a little edge on pace. Like there's a little bit of mm-hmm. back and forth and and the the jungle and mid lane matchups I feel like are pretty even in terms of uh player skill and sure. all. So um that that was like such a glaring uh difference between the two teams, I think, in this uh this matchup.
0: Yeah, so tough times there for D plus Kia, uh, giving up giving up that triple to uh, giving up that triple to Chovy allows um, you know allows Genji to kind of get back into the game and uh, tilt it back in their favor for a nice two zero. Um, but we've got one more week of LCK in in the regular season then we will be into the postseason uh so we'll find some good playoff matches to to talk to you guys about then but uh in the meantime aaron tell me tell me about this uh you know this heavyweight matchup the the finals rematch between jdg and billy billy gaming
1: yeah i mean we've we've now gotten to see this matchup a number of times recently uh we saw it in the msi finals we've seen it in uh spring playoffs for for mm. the uh lpl uh twice in the spring playoffs for the lpl right. where JDG blg
0: got knocked down
1: yeah jdg gets the three two on them in round four knocking them yep. into the losers bracket they fight their way back up to the finals to get three one by blg yep. uh go off to msi and then get beat there again by jdg um in the final this time 3-0 this time and or no oh no, it was uh 3-3-1 so, oh gotcha i thought the storyline
0: was that it was just getting worse and worse well
1: just wait there's yeah. more <laughs> so in the uh the matchup this week uh jdg got their 3-0 to uh to continue that trajectory um and JDG is just looking so, so strong. Um, BLG, uh, it, it was tough uh, because I just felt like no matter what they did, they tried a number of different like team comps and play styles and everything throughout this series uh, and just lose 3-0. Um, like JDG looked so good, firing all, on all cylinders. Kanavi was... Was just phenomenal from the jungle. His Sejuani play was great. Going on to the Lee in, which we really haven't seen a lot recently, he goes and just pops off. Um, really, it, across the board, it was just a very dominant uh, series from JDG's side. They took these leads and kind of ran with them. And BLG, uh, for their, for their, um, or to speak on them, like they really put a lot of effort in to try and like come back into these games, and we're trying mm-hmm. to make uh, make things happen, fight for objectives, try and trade objectives, and everything. And every time JDG just seemed to to come out on on top, like pretty pretty solidly. Um, so a, a tough like just a tough match for, for BLG. They were, they would be doing so well and then go for a fight in the jungle and everyone gets caught in a choke point by, uh, <laughs> by the, the Sejuani and everything. And you're just like, up oh, and that's the game. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, it was. A lot at, like for a three, like I hate saying it, but for a three, Oh, it was a lot more competitive than it looked <laughs> like it was. It was, it's just JDG was the better team in the series and like in most stages didn't make mistakes at all. Yeah,
0: I think there, I think there was something to be said for BLG's early game. They made a lot of good moves were able to set up uh, set up a couple of like pretty solid early kills um especially in the bottom lane they were able to slurp some up um especially in game 2 but it just it was never able to be converted well enough into the mid game to ever feel like they had like a solid footing or like could show up to the neutrals first or, or you know whatever right. whatever you're going to use to kind of describe the tempo Um, in game one the the real standout for me was ruler Zaya I thought mm. I thought their play was just immaculate there were so many times you thought they were dead but oh wait ruler still has the blade storm and to get up out of damage
1: and ruler oh he he still has the ultimate oh wait and he didn't cleanse oh wait and he didn't flash either like or or ghost or flat like he was his positioning was impeccable throughout that game i i Mm -hmm. 100 agree with you on that he he was a, a stud in in game one
0: yeah and then like honestly i i really could just like praise jdg just up and down there's some insane score lines um knight goes deathless in game two uh 369 goes deathless in game one uh kanavi and knight both go deathless and 369 go deathless in game three so like they're obviously just playing out of their heads but what i was like kind of taking most from the game was like just how even when even when blg is able to like set up some solid early games just how oppressive the jdg mid and late game is like Mm. there were even scenarios where especially in game three i mean this is like you know you're you're fuego at this point if you're jdg but i mean they're so warmed up they're they're winning four v five engages teleporting Mm. their top laner in like 15 seconds like after it's just too late oh they they're still cleaning up the fight it's it's just absurd how just on it they feel like truly Mm
1: -hmm. yeah and even like blg was trying to to make things happen like so in in game two for instance they get the the two for nothing in bot lane they're getting Mm -hmm. a little bit of a lead but then all of a sudden, I look at the scoreboard and JDG still has two dragons to zero, and I'm mm-hmm. like, "They're, I'm like, they're, they're down gold. They're getting killed in the bot lane, and they're still controlling the objectives, the neutrals really, really well. Um, but then, yeah, in in game three, um, they're like oppressive is is." a good word for it like there were multiple times where they just like like blg's like yeah let's group up as five and fight and jdg was like we're just gonna surround you and just like just like crush you uh Mm -hmm. and and like blg in that instance the thought should be like well if all five of them go at the smaller group they should win and it's like it that's just not how it worked jdg was right. playing out of their minds um and looked looked so so good um and uh then unfortunately uh we won't have the opportunity for the rematch this time uh next week we'll have the the lpl playoff finals to uh to talk about but BLG goes down, drops into the loser's bracket and loses 3-1 to LNG, who is uh, mm-hmm. kind of streaking through this uh, this playoff run a little bit. They uh, lost 3-2 to JDG um, in the, the match prior to JDG facing BLG. Then they go 3-1 against Top Esports uh, and then 3-1 uh, BLG as well. So we'll have a uh, JDG LNG finals, which will, will definitely be exciting to to watch. I mean, seeing like just the, the names that you're seeing on these two teams from JDG 369, Kanavi Knight, Ruler, Missing, and then LNG, you've got Zika, Tarzan, Scout, Gala, and Hong. Like the, these mm-hmm. are two studded lineups that uh, it's going to be a fun fun finals, hopefully. Uh or it could just end up with j d g crushing everyone's souls and uh making it look like they're just impossible to uh to beat going into the the world championships-
0: well right, and then I was gonna say, well, that's just just the immediate next conversation is like well, they're just gonna win worlds now, right I mean. Yeah. Uh, who you know who, who who steps up to contend. This is uh, at, this is unprecedented, this,
1: point. this is a pretty unprecedented level of dominance for the LPL. Um the LPL I feel like we so consistently uh have just seen have new teams or like the shift of players and mixing and mingling in the off season, just Um, create a new team mm -hmm. that just rises up and at least like pushes the power out a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. but JDG has just looked so, so strong. Um, well,
0: and this will, this will illustrate your point beautifully. If you go back to this time last year, our conversations would have been about top esports and v5 remember all those series that they had going back and forth yeah that's two whole like two two totally different organizations and you look at where they're at in the stat. well v5 specifically top esports is still per- performing pretty well but yeah just like the rate of the rate of evolution that the LPL seems to go through it's wild that we're seeing this this rate of consistency out of uh out of out of JDG so yeah. looking at the finals between them and LNG so it'll be just for seeding into worlds right they're both qualified uh i believe so i um or is uh, that not how it works anymore no i'm
1: uh so top championship points auto qualify. Yeah, so they're they're going one and two. So first place will uh automatically qualify for Worlds. Then the second seed from China, I believe, will be decided by championship point. Uh yeah, so it'll be decided by championship points. Um so JDG already has like locked in that they'll have the most championship points. Right. So they're minimum the second seed. They could right. have the first seed just by winning the, the LPL championship.
0: Gotcha. Um, and then and they then have
1: a regional qualifier, right? They do. And so uh, the regional finals winner and the regional finals runner up will, um will, excuse me, make it to worlds, but um in that three and four slot. Yes. And so looking at um, the points totals and everything, I believe that LNG might be able to surpass Billy Billy Gaming in terms of championship points. I'm. Whoa. I don't. So. Actually, no, I I don't know if they will be able to, but either way, like, so Billy Billy Gaming will most likely auto qualify as the, um, if JDG wins the championship, Billy
0: Billy Gaming will auto qualify with championship points to go to Worlds. Whoa, gotcha. And then LNG will have to repeat down in the regional qualifiers? Yep. If they lose to, uh, to JDG. Oh, so that's tough that's tough biscuits
1: yeah because billy billy gaming had uh uh, got 80 championship points for uh the summer split they had 70 in the spring split so 150 lng only got 20 in the spring split and can at most get 110 more so, they would still be twenty points behind. So if Damn. so, Billy Billy Gaming just turned from JDG's biggest haters to their biggest supporters in mm-hmm. their uh, their Worlds campaign. Mm-hmm. So
0: yeah, they're gonna around. throw those
1: jerseys on really quick. Yeah, but LNG, I mean, they've they've looked uh pretty pretty hot coming through this run of playoffs and everything. Um, so I think they have a a shot to make it a pretty competitive finals. Uh, and then of course, if JDG does beat them out, uh, a good shot in the regional playoffs, they've, they've looked pretty solid. So, um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, we'll have, uh, some solidified worlds teams for, uh, the LPL pretty,
0: pretty shortly. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And uh couple weeks time, same uh same for the LCK. But uh yeah, just JDG on a tear. And uh yeah, just looking forward to uh looking forward to some more good games. But uh let's uh get these people towards the end of the episode here. Let's uh give them the flavor of the week here, Aaron. Sounds good. So uh for my
1: food, I mentioned uh Colleen and I went out to dinner yesterday for our anniversary, but we had Just, uh, some awesome Mexican food, uh, the, from the, the like house-made chips and salsa that they had at the beginning through, I had, um, uh, oh, I always, I don't know why I do this. Um, I had a taco, I think it was, uh, pork belly. I always want to say pork butt, but it's, I had Mm. a pork belly taco um shrimp taco and um uh a third one that i can't remember they were all just very very good uh food was awesome spicy margaritas uh so that was a a nice flavor of the week we also got mussels with uh some like chimichurri sauce but like a chimichurri Ooh. butter butter sauce okay um, which was really good so uh yeah solid solid food for the week yeah. um for music i i'm trying to be more like conscious of when artists that i haven't listened to in a little bit like pop to mind or come up in conversation to going back and like listening to them a bit more mm, okay. and i don't remember where he came up but xxx came up in like either a youtube video or a tiktok or something that i was watching and, and so Gacion. i so yeah, so I went back and uh spent a little time this week listening to some of his stuff that uh mm. that I had like previously listened to, enjoyed and everything and uh and just took some time to go through his catalog a little bit on my drives to and from work, which was uh it was nice. Like I, I like his music. He had uh he had a really um like like distinct sound uh and style and everything which was uh which was pretty cool. So uh enjoying that uh r.i.p um but that was my uh my music for this week and then for my visual medium we went and saw the barbie movie colleen oh, nice. uh me and uh three of our friends we went to uh to see that this past week and it was really it was good it was it was funny it was like entertaining it, it kind of kept you get it was like silly and serious and fun and goofy it was just like a they they did it really well it wasn't what's the plot like what happened so the uh the concept is kind of like so so the main barbie margot robbie plays and so she lives in barbie land and okay.
0: in barbie
1: land everything's perfect like every day is the best day ever like and the in barbie land the doll all the different barbies like nurse barbie and dr barbie and president barbie like all these actual barbies that have been made over the years yep. are like different characters and so okay. they're, they're like oh my gosh is it, it it's just so great like everything's so perfect like We've we've done so much for the real world. I'm sure the real world like uh, because of Barbies knows that women are strong, powerful people who can do anything and work any job and yada yada yada. And then somehow the um the metaver or the uh the dimensions kind of get mixed together a little bit, where Barbie ends up having to go out to the real world and
0: realize okay.
1: that that is not quite the case that that barbie's being barbie did not solve all the real world problems like gotcha imagined in their like utopia right Um, right and so then it's kind of just going through like her trying to uh figure out how to fix the
0: intertwining of the the barbie land and real world dimensions kind how of. to get her and and ken back to barbie land pretty much um, gotcha okay that's it's, cool
1: yeah ken goes off on a little wild ride uh and everything he he's like uh in barbie land uh, not to to give the whole movie away but in barbie land ken is like an extra kind of he's like He's like a side side quest. Like you don't have yeah. you don't have to have Ken, but you have right. to have Barbie. And right. so he gets to the to the real world where men uh, dominate a lot of the industry's CEO position, like these things. And he's like
0: oh this is kind of sick (laughs) Uh, and so that uh, I see what's going on here yeah
1: so that kind of plays into it it as well but it was like it was funny entertaining the music was like the soundtrack was like very well suited towards it they had like some uh, uh, a few songs that were made like specifically for the movie and everything that were mixed in so uh,
0: yeah just uh, a song yeah just uh
1: they didn't no they did not have uh have that song in it i'm curious why
0: not maybe it doesn't have anything to do with barbie maybe it's actually like dark i don't know i
1: i was i was expecting it but uh quickly realized that they had just i think there are like some samples of that song or like little bits that are thrown into other songs but they didn't uh just hit the generic nostalgia.
0: Good on them man. You can respect it. Well, my visual medium a little darker than yours, maybe by just a smidge, but uh it's still good family uh uh family friendly enjoyment. Um true detective season one with Woody Harrelson, Matthew McConaughey. Okay. It's gotta be probably just like my my it. It might just be my favorite, just full stop of anything. Um, it is so good. It's one of like the few, like very few things. It feels like that comes along where you see actors like really disappear into their roles. I think Matthew McConaughey as Russ Cole like really disappears. I like you don't see the the person anymore. You just see the character. Um, and I mean we we demolished it we did all eight episodes just like very quickly um so start to finish super super good but just the darkest saddest thing you've ever seen uh the concept like the actual crime that they're trying to solve is Mm. it's it's just harrowing and so sad but Mm. it's a great show uh, very well done. My food for the week. Looking forward to a chuck roast here. i uh, just been smelling it, marinating the, in the crock pot all day. So I'll be happy to crack into some of that. And then my music here for the week. I don't know if you've ever come across her. Uh, I believe she did some work with Chance. Um, no Name. She's got an hmm. EP, Room 25. Oh, did that come out? Um, no, I'm pretty sure this is like like oh, oh wait like, couple oh, years ago. okay
1: because she she announced recently that she was putting out a new uh a new album soon and mm. like had been working on some stuff so- i follow her on twitter she's like oh gotcha uh, word. yeah yeah she's uh she's cool she's very anarchist socialist uh kind of um like in her political like I, i'm like i'm like oh yeah you're you're cool
0: i i mm. like you <laughs> so. yeah uh so I I may have the EP title wrong, but it was a uh, album from a couple years ago. I think maybe at this I mean it could just be a hundred years at this point. I don't know, but uh, great listen, uh, nice little jam. But uh, yeah, very quickly that's my flavor of the week. Nice,
1: very cool. Um, but of course, at the end of the flavor of the week, that does bring us to the end of this week's episode. Um, as always, we we really appreciate everyone taking the time to listen with us. Check out the the podcast, everything. Don't forget to check out the race companion if you want to see our reactions going through the race and all. Um, But, yeah, thank you. uh, Thank you for taking the time. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, wherever you want to listen or see our smiling faces.
0: It's tell your friends new episodes every Thursday. Uh, Come and get it hot and fresh. But yeah, we just appreciate you taking your time. uh, Taking your time to listen. Just thank you so much for joining us. And uh, this has been another episode of the Tall and Short of a Podcast. Peace out, everyone. See ya.